0: No. Times the I oh, never do that, that again. <laughs> I am your producer, Ben, alongside your that director That was worse than man.
1: Monty's from last week.
2: Uh, Monty
0: had a beautiful, great, great intro. intro. I agree.
2: <laughs> I haven't listened to it myself. It's good. I, I went back. <laughs> I was going to go back and listen. It to was.
0: That. It was. It was pretty. Mwah, mwah. It was. It was I, I it was, was confident. Yeah, I was I, almost gonna do like an intro of my own just to say I was on the episode. But I listened to that and I was like no. I let tried him to, run.
2: I tried my best I, to be an impress what is it, was, it called? Okay, Impression We can talk, we can talk about this. you putting
1: your assertions into episodes that you weren't there for later. <laughs> I, I
0: will I will say this, if I'm editing it, I get jurisdiction. That's, uh, wh- okay, whenever whatever you guys <laughs> want to start the YouTube channel, feel free to edit however
1: you see fit. Um, Just photos of I you will with ponytails. Say... <laughs> Did you see that photo, Monty? Which one? the The picture of Ben with, with a with a ponytail. He has a ponytail. No, well he has he has only short only curly. Ju- he has he has a short curly Jew that he now styles like toward his bangs because it gave him some kind of direction with his hair. But he went hiking and he put it up in a ponytail and it's borderline disturbing. Wait, Ben's a Jew? There's
2: nothing
0: wrong with it.
1: (laughs) No, there's nothing wrong with Ben being a Jew. It's, it's oh. the fact that he put his hair into I'm a ponytail. Sorry, is there,
0: I, I'm sorry, but no, is no, there a I, problem?
2: No,
1: no
0: I, didn't I didn't know. I
2: didn't know. Is you that were man, what we're don't, talking don't, about today? Don't, don't refer to man, your Jewish
0: heritage we were as your faith. we talking about metal today. I didn't know we were talking about that end of metal. <laughs> hey,
1: hey, it's an important. We're talking about black metal. So we got to clarify that we hate NSBM and that we support the jewish people wait that's not a
2: ponytail isn't that look at a, the look at
1: that little nub at the top I, i'm just yeah. looking
2: at the picture that, that matt sent me and yeah it looks like a man bun isn't
1: it well there's not enough hair for it to be a man bun it's like almost a top knot is he losing hair
2: i, I don't know like, <laughs> honestly I, i've never seen you guys in person so i don't know like, what you guys oh, fuck? I don't even oh see. my what? god! What?
0: What's I your fucking you. problem? <laughs> no,
2: no Monty. Just... All Monty. Wow. I'm
1: saying is, is your no, your no, hairline no. is better. I'm
2: I'm a visual person. I if I don't see you guys, oh, so he he have image, I have like an image. I have an image of you guys like based on it pictures. Looks so, like it. I don't okay. know. Let me get the fucking
0: razor over here <laughs> so I can shave my fucking head.
2: No, oh, I, I, I just made a little spicy. description. So that's all I I
1: He's he's tall people. and he looks like that. He's my, six, he, Matt,
2: uh, ben is 62, right? Yeah. Wow, two, six three.
1: Three. Yeah. 63. I'm
0: oh, 64. Six eh. six oh, yeah, with six, shoes four on. 64 and a half
2: <laughs>
1: with the wow, hat shoes on. The, the, no. the, the, half, the half is from being <laughs> living in LA for so long, I guess. <laughs> oh
0: my god. Monty, no. what 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 was that? What was that nickname you had? We talked about last week.
2: What nickname? I don't know what
1: you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what shea you're talking
0: butter? about. Ben. No, no, not Shea butter. Fuck he that. Is, you're obviously you not
1: Shea, shea butter. butter anymore. <laughs> yeah, you are, Monty. Monty, you're the sheaest of butter today. You got essential oils in you that don't make my skin itch from my eczema.
2: Oh, so anyways, no, like, so Ben, you grew out your hair too. And then you okay, it so we're or... talking
0: about metal today. <laughs> we, we have we have three albums to talk about. We do. Uh, if three you very like, exciting if you new like releases. Podcast. Uh, send us let, let us know that you gave us a five star review. You can be your biggest fan of the week. Yeah, uh, each Monty star for the is inch not of recession. That biggest fan. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, what, what are we? where are we talking? Well, I guess first things first. Oh well, yeah,
1: hold on. We got we got to address some like modern news modern so, news uh everything so this, everywhere this, all at well, once hold, well, this split. this last sunday was oh the 95th academy awards mm-hmm. um it was a all-around and actually a pretty excellent show for the for those who are actually part of the core audience of the who watch it every year regardless how bad it is this year was actually a really nice year for the oscars it was a return to form an album. That, that sounds like a WWE fan right <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. This year wasn't uh, as bad as the no, previous No, bo- Well, bo- bo- it's because it was the last three Oscars oh, in a row. Man. They have tried to change the format to try to like draw in new viewers. And this year, whoever was producing, it was like, just do a normal Oscars, put all of the focus on the awards. Don't do a bunch of bullshit and just hope it's good. And it was really enjoyable. Um, and yeah, we had some big wins, some big wins that we predicted. Everything, everywhere, all at once took Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Screenplay, Best Directing, um, in, in addition to seven other, uh, five other awards, and, and Best Supporting Actress. Um, genuinely an incredible film, a, a great film that we talked about on the podcast, uh, Guillermo Del Toro's Pinocchio one, making Guillermo Del Toro the the first uh, director to win Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Animated Feature. Um, We saw the historic win of Michelle Yeoh, the first Asian woman to win a um, a Best Actress award. Um, The resurgence of Brendan Fraser with an incredibly beautiful emotional speech for The Whale. Um, And yeah, again, Everything Everywhere All at Once was the real shining star here, a movie that was in both of Monty and I's top fives for the year and uh, ben, I know it was near and dear to your heart. Now, Ben, before we dive into any of our positive feelings about the Oscars, I, I have a question to ask you. Yeah, I know, I know you didn't watch all the Oscars, but I
0: didn't watch how- any of the Oscars. Okay,
1: how how much of the show do you think they spent praising Triangle of Sadness? <laughs> More than ten minutes of the show was spent with people giving like giving Triangle of Sadness so much credit. It, they when they when they said the name huh. of the director when talking about the um best pitchers, the entire crowd cheered.
2: Well oh, that's
0: that's brutal. I don't know. That's it made brutal.
1: me eek there was a line in the in like the, the pre I was at, we had we had friends over and we were playing board games, but I had the uh the Oscars on in the other room and I heard a line from the red carpet just talking about how impressive and in love everyone was with the director because he provided such a beautiful lens into the world of cinema yeah reuben Osland was like the talk of the town last night
0: well you know what good for him he can choke on it um, also <laughs> I
1: agree. oh my god did
2: he win shit
0: no wins pretty much it was no, brendan frazier Everything, everywhere, all at once, and for all the Oscars, no one cared about. All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay,
1: no, like no, okay, it won't good Oscar. All Quiet on the Western Front is a stunningly good movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's a remake of a 1931 classic, beautifully directed, beautifully shot, um, absolutely amazing set design. I think its only Belialed point would be some of the some of the pacing of the movie and the fact that some of the um the effects weren't as practical as they could have been, which kind of undermined, it, um the movie itself because the 1931 version at times looked better or more visceral because of the use of practical effects, but also was because they were kind of hitchcocking it and putting all the actors at like severe risk uh, while filming. It was, yeah, it was a great time. I I, I highly recommend you check out all of the albums. If you have albums, all of the movies, if you haven't seen everything everywhere all at once, then you've done yourself a disservice as a film fan this year. Uh, Monty, as a fellow observer of the Oscars, what did you think?
2: I thought it was uh, it was very neat this time around.
1: Yeah, um, was it niche. It was, not it at was
2: all. Not niche. It was neat. Um, you know, I was happy uh, that you know everything, everywhere all at once won. It was mm-hmm. my number one uh, pick of a movie when we did our year end. Um, yeah. And I have to also add is I'm proud to be Taiwanese because, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, the is producer it, and the, one of the directors, one of the Daniels uh, are is Taiwanese. So I know yeah. Taiwan's going to be eating it up.
1: So yeah, shout out to Taiwan. <laughs> shout out to the Taiwanese people. Yeah. Um, and uh, Michelle Yeoh and, and uh, Kihui Kwan, if I'm saying it oh, yeah, announced a new show called Chinese Americans being produced by Disney. Nope. 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 Um,
2: uh, American-born Chinese. Oh, I'm sorry. ABCs.
1: <laughs> ABCs. Yes. Ah. Thank you but also again, being produced by Disney, I will say one of the least niche and least neat moments of the show was the fact that ABC owns is owned by Disney, and they took about five minutes out of the away from the Oscars and all of the performers and actors to do a direct promo for the new Little Mermaid movie. It was oh, one of yeah. the most. Is that it was. Oh, atrociously done. I don't think it's a bad movie or gonna be a bad movie. I'm excited to see it, but doing it so like obliquely in the middle of the Oscars and not doing a commercial, like, come on, why not? A little I feel much, like they do it's something
0: little... like that every year, though. Do they not? Not they,
1: they, they will mention, like, oh, these actors are gonna be in the upcoming movie, such and such. They then don't cut to a trailer and have it have mean nothing. They had the two two actresses from the movie come out on stage, announce that they were gonna be in the movie, and then all they did was announce a trailer for the movie and then show it.
0: That's a WWE move right yeah, there.
1: That was no, it was full. Full WWE. Like to a degree that I haven't seen done by uh the Oscars in the past. I mean, it's a very Disney move, but it was full, like Vince McMahon like nepotism kind of move. <laughs>
0: well you know matt you were talking about pacing issues and Ooh. on that note we have three albums to discuss today
1: yeah so and this i can't kinda,
0: wait to get into them so this so is gonna serve your journey in discovering these albums
1: uh so yeah this is kind of like a a quarter year roundup of some of my favorite or really interesting albums that have been released so far in 2023 there's a whole bunch of other great albums that um, we'll probably talk about near the end of the year, and I'll quickly rattle some of them off. Uh, a new album, Reyu, the new Twilight Force album, At the Heart of Wintervale; the new Sanguisuga Baga album, Homicidal Ecstasy; and Oceans and His Gardened in Tombs. Uh, Ruska's Turbo Polka Party, um, Inherent the Void, The Impending Fall of Stars. And after listening to all those albums, as as my last year's album of the years belied, I really enjoy. Um, my, my salty and my bitter with my sweet. And I was looking for some good time albums and some albums that I felt were uh, bringing something both very niche- um And very neat to the world, so i I created a little sampler pattern of the least niche onward towards the most niche in a sense. Now we open with a new power metal album, and as a big fan of the biggest power metal release of the year Twilight Force at the heart of Wintervale, I was very excited to try to find another power metal album that stimulated me in a similar way um and then we f- I found the sophomore album by the u k bass band Ascension. Under the Veil of Madness. Now, this is a 55-minute, 27-second power metal album just at the cusp of being a little too long, um, bringing forward some very, very traditional European power metal, soaring vocals reminiscent of your power paladins and of your fellowship, but toned down to a, a degree where it's more focused on the shredding and the pure cheesiness of the presentation of the album. Um, And I'm very interested to hear from you, Ben, as our resident non-power metal fan. I want to see if this one kind of broke through to you at all or how you felt, especially in comparison to our album of the year from last year, Power Paladin.
0: I do not like power metal.
1: Okay. But. Let's let's get into it.
0: I like this more than any of the power metal I listened to last
1: year. Wow. Okay. I'm. I'm genuinely curious why compared to um, I, both I, Fellowship it, and Power Paladin. This kind of ranks higher for they're you. They're
0: so whaley. Who? Like Power Paladin. Power? Oh, yeah. It's so fucking. <laughs> it's
1: I agree. exciting. It's
0: passionate. <laughs> I no, agree. No, it's not. It's performative. I don't like
1: That's that. All of this is music. It's a performance.
0: Yeah, but it it, it feels stupid to me. Uh, whereas these guys watch wrestling, whereas,
1: whoa, these, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. whereas
0: these guys, see, see, that's the one that doesn't phase me. That one. I, I know just that's, walk right yeah, through. yeah, I know. <laughs> we talk, we talking about Fablemans and that shit. It's, at least, at least, at least this is, is real
1: asunder. Ben. Um, okay. Yeah. But so, but, okay. So outside of, outside of insulting two fantastic power metal bands, but I, uh, I what are your opinions like, on this one?
0: I, I feel like with this album, they sang lower. And it yeah. felt like it meshed better with the music. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, it it just, everything fit a lot better. Uh, and so when what, they you think did- Do like
1: the sound felt more cohesive on this album? Yeah, and so when previous? they did okay. get
0: silly with the lyrics, I was fine with it. Because hmm. I'm like, you know, I don't want the silly lyrics- and the screaming, because then I feel like I'm watching, like, a YouTuber or something being like, oh, oh, my God. When you,
1: when you mean, with, like, the screaming, you mean, like, the high-pitched kind of operatic vocals? Yeah. Okay.
0: And and where, because this felt more grounded, it let the, it let the lyrics take center stage Is like, okay, hmm. this is the thing that's kind of silly. But because everything else is pretty on the level, I liked it. Uh with that said, uh, <laughs> and, and I and I, I I thought it was a bit long. I I yeah. could have done without a song or two cuz I felt like most of them were you know, in in the same genre. Uh the yeah, one the song same though, aesthetic. The one song where I was really like this is what I want power metal to feel like. Like okay. this is where I get it is the title song Under the Veil yes. of Madness. I, I it it, it you you'd be able to describe it better than me, Matt. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is the performative cheesiness that I like. It was well, like, you know, we were we were watching Blazing Saddles. It felt yeah. almost <laughs> like Mel Brooks adjacent. And they're still do a, taking they itself do a,
1: seriously enough. They do a good job of setting that up with uh songs like Megalomaniac. Where it has, yeah. in the middle of it, there's this, like, non-traditional power metal, just kind of, like, tingly-ling-ling, like, fun riffing. That has, like, not, isn't shreddy at all, but it's just, like, joyful. It's kind of like, uh, like, in Fellowship, and some of their songs sound like Christmas music. Mm-hmm. When they ha- when when Ascension has its Christmas music moments, they're, like, slower, they're a lower tempo, and they're a bit more um, breathy, without a lot production-wise going on, to kind of, like, overdo it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I agree with you, but I think that that moment on on the title track I think really saves the album.
0: Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't say save the album because I think everything else is good, mm. you know. But I that is that song is so wholly unique and special, yeah. and it's eight and it's minutes like, long. It's too, so eight, eight it's an minutes epic. long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. The chorus is just a bop. It like switches back and forth and keeps changing things up. It feels like two yeah. songs in one.
1: Essentially, it is. really does. Yeah.
0: I mean like like in that song for those 8 minutes I got it. I understood really? it.
1: Yeah, I was like wow, if, shout if out this to is, Ascension for bridging yeah, the gap here. If this is what power
0: metal was, like okay, I get it. All right. But, well, you know. so
1: so so from from Ben's uh perspective that is kind of marred in a not necessarily a, an inherent distaste for power metal but a lack of preference to it. Um, to Monty, who, in, from my estimation, is like a, a you you like metal because it sounds good, but it's not like your definitive thing. Neither neither of these genres in particular really are. But you yeah. show you you explain, exclaimed that you enjoyed this album, Monty. I, so I'm I really curious. It,
2: but I, I I like it and I like it more than Power Paladins.
1: Uh, wow, because
2: it has Ooh. that it has that it, it's you know with that metal added it's like yeah. it gives that a little punch you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i like music with a lot of heavier beats uh i yeah. like that kind of sound is a better way to describe it and this is like it, it has a it has a little dash of uh you know hard rock sense yeah, it does. It. yeah. it's Some the it,
1: traditional heavy metal yeah and, and that's it's what I, I,
2: I missed and yeah it, it's slower and you know, I, I just love the, the vocals, the and how it it just like comes together really well. Um I I don't know, I, I first time hearing it, I, I only listened to it once last night. And yeah, I can say I this is something that's cool. It's pretty interesting to listen to. I just need I guess with Power of Paladins when you guys were doing that review, I, when I was listening to it the first time, I just felt like there's something missing. And hmm. with these guys, okay. I really enjoyed it. And I think the have the heavier sound um, really kicks it up a notch. So yeah. I really yeah, do I think,
1: appreciate it. I think I, I genuinely agree with both of your assessments of the album. I think it, um, I don't think it's better than power paladin, um, but that's also partially because of power paladin's usage of my very specific personal flavor of power metal. Um, I think yeah, what I, what I, really I, sets I, this album I think, apart. I, I is... think
0: just a quick note, I, right. I I agree with you there. I feel like actual quality wise, when you're just comparing like musically, it's pretty clearly not as like well-rounded well rounded as so a fellowship
1: or a power palette. Here here's but. what I'll say to that effect, Ben. Is that I think there there's two things that there's two things that make this album stand out. And for me to pay attention to it enough to share it with you, because there's other power metals come out. Um, the production on this album is, is not lo-fi, but it's, it's stripped back into a more traditional heavy metal sound. So there's not, where Power Paladin Fellowship and the Twilight Force album this year are really bombastically produced. So it, it raises everything up. There's like this orchestration to the production that makes the music sound really like, not necessarily epic, but like grand. And in a good move by Ascension, they went for a more streamlined production that is more in vain. With like um like power metal and uh like new the new wave of British heavy metal out of England, which I think gives this album a really good tone. But my criticism of this album, why I don't think it reaches the same heights as Fellowship or Power Paladin, is is similar to something that you mentioned, Ben, where you mentioned that the album's a little long. And I think what happens is, um, outside of that moment I mentioned in Megalomaniac, uh like say Narana, the opening track is super engaging. It's fast. It's epic. It opens with these like really shredding guitars. That is just pure cheese. When I, when I sent this album to um, Nick, our other uh, power metal correspondent on the podcast, um, I just sent him photos of nacho cheese over and over again, because <laughs> this is a very cheesy album. Um, but the problem, the the criticism that I have for that is in, in, in regards to editing. So There's a certain riff structure that Ascension seems to really like with a lot of their solos and a lot of their fills that is very present on, like, the first five songs. Outside of that moment in Megalomaniac, like, Defiance, Monsters, and Set You Free, to me, all sounded very similar. And it's not inherently a problem, but... You have moments like a megalomaniac, like on Under the Veil of Madness and Power of a Thousand Suns, where there is some like real change, some real um, mixing of like riffs and like writing um, that make the production, I think, feel a lot more refreshing and interesting. So that the issue with the album is in its construction. It's just a little overfull. But that's that is all to say that this is one of my favorite. Power Metal albums of the year so far. Um, I don't know if it if it beats out Twilight Force because Twilight Force's most recent album is, but I also think it suffers from the same potential issue that this one has, which is a little bit of editing. I think if you took out Monsters or maybe Defiance, I think the runtime of the album you know would drop down by about ten minutes, um, mm. and it would be I think a, just a bit of a tighter experience. Yeah, but over but overall, I think it's a really. Good piece of power metal. Um, I I miss the the grandeur and the I don't know if the frilliness or the epicness that we get from an album like Power Paladin or like Fellowship. I think no. is the one thing that's missing. I um, yes, but good. The... <laughs> good. But what I think is 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 great about this and why I liked it so much too is what you pointed out, both you and Monty, is the vocals. I think the vocals on this album are undeniably fantastic. You know, they're um the vocalist Richard Carney um is a really tremendous vocalist. Um, he's in this band and another band called Sharky Shark, or Sharky Sharky. Sorry, uh, which is another power metal/slash rock band from from Aberdeen, Scotland. Uh, and I I really think he's the standout here. This is very much a vocals first kind of band with just excellent shredding happening all around that.
0: Agreed. So Agreed.
1: overall I, w- I would recommend this album on a, on a charming scale. I give it like a, a two and a half out of four charms Oh wow. and on a, yeah. Right. And on a, on a quality scale out of five, I give it like a three and a half.
0: I, I give it a, I give it a three charms and I give it a four quality.
2: I give it a three charms, and I give it a six quality, actually, Ooh, because I like it. It's something. Oh, wow. sorry. I, S- I, give a, I give it I give it six out of five. It's something Hell different, yeah. uh, and and you know I'm happy Matt introduced this album because it's uh, like i said at the beginning of the year and end of last year i was looking for new music and this is something i could dig into too so.
1: well i think i think one of the things about this podcast that i really like is not that we covered just not that we just cover niche media but it's that everyone who who's a guest on here everyone who participates has their own niche interest ben likes really awful 2000s intro music and hardcore which is wonderful uh and you know kyle's all about like death metal and like really generic black metal nick is all about power metal um and and traditional heavy metal in addition to some kind of innovative but also pretty straightforward black metal i like weird shit that's occasionally not enjoyable to listen to for other people and so we're really gonna have to spend this next year of 2023 narrowing down your heavy metal niche monty i think we can because this this puts (laughs) us in a good a good standing especially with some of your reviews from last year i think we can really corner the Monty corner of the of the metal that's our, pie. That's
0: our 2023 goal. Yeah, is Monty's <laughs> true
1: heavy metal niche? Now, talking about niche, um, we're gonna talk about arguably the nichest album, but not the most niche in in regards to the other albums like it. Um, so next, we will be talking about a album and a band uh, who are releasing their debut album, a album. That I was present at the very first show, which I believe might have been where they recorded it that night, or they or they recorded it like just prior. Um, this is the brand new project from the uh, prominent Illinois-based noise artists Rush Falcor and M. Nage. I sorry, bro. I can't say your last name. This is "Hunted Gatherer." Um, "Hunted Gatherer" is a dungeon synth noise release. They describe themselves as a bloody blend of power electronics, experimental noise and dungeon synth. A formidable auditory assault that radiates from body ridden dungeons ready for the attack. None shall survive. Now that uh, very dramatic uh, description sets you up for an album with two about 20 minute long um, dungeon synth power electronic, harsh noise, uh, songs that I think create a very interesting and very captivating, uh, that when performed live was that much more intense than what is conveyed on album. Now, this is a genre of music that I've come to love and enjoy more and more as time has gone on. And it was just like death metal for me. Once I saw it live, I think I truly understood what I was engaging with musically um, but Ben, as someone who I view as a person who typically enjoys some more avant-garde music, um at times, I was very, very curious in your assessment of Hunted Gatherer.
0: So uh real quick, on their bandcamp page, yeah, you can either purchase their limited edition DIY cassette
1: which I have
0: for nine dollars. Only yes. eight remain. Or you could mm-hmm. buy the digital album on its own, which is $1,000 USD.
1: Yes, so this is actually a trend um, on Bandcamp. So this is like not something that they are just doing for the sake of it. Um, I would I would need to talk to uh, them, but, the uh they actually have a bit about they said the digital album price set to nine uh 999 dollars to encourage purchasing digital albums directly from the artist now the reason for this is is that this the release and the Bandcamp link i sent you is to witch-like dungeon an iowa-based diy cassette label and uh hunted gatherer wants if you're going to buy their digital album Um, They would want you to buy directly from their personal Bandcamp pages, not from the label's Bandcamp. The the label is here as a distributor of the cassette, but in order to distribute the cassette on Bandcamp, you must also put the digital album up for sale. Um, So that's part of why. And some artists also do it to be edgy because they don't want people to own the digital copy of their album. Um, I don't think that's why Hunted Gatherer did it, but it's something other artists do do. (laughs) too. Um, with the intention of being like hardcore
0: well uh so regarding the music itself
1: yeah that was really good real okay talk me talk me through your experience with this album so
0: there's two songs there's a 20 minute song seven seven cornered cornered solar
1: solar labyrinth Labyrinth.
0: yes and then the second one is singing the inevitable inevitable twilight twilight of our our requiem I don't know why you kept saying that at the same time as me. Um,
1: it's more, it's more, it's for the harsh noise of the experience.
0: Anyway, so <laughs> you talk about editing, Matt. Talk about pacing. Yeah, I listened to the first song and I was like, "This is really fucking good." And I listened to the second song and I was like, "This is not as good as the first one." <laughs> okay, and and I was. It's like a very specific it's harsh noise, right? Yeah,
1: dungeon like, synth more, more harsh or less, noise. D- with
0: dungeon synth and a bunch of other shit. Uh but like the vibe is you're in a torture dungeon and there's mm-hmm. harsh noise all around you.
1: Yeah, you're you're you right. and and when and the album like, was recorded to some degree at Empty Bliss, which is a basement venue in the city where yeah. we were literally surrounded in by them and their violent performance
0: yeah so i the first song i feel like was it really built well um Mm -hmm. the screaming was like purposeful and really added to the song and the second song i i just listened to it and i don't remember much about it i I know that it sort of reaches a crescendo with like the white noise and the screaming towards the end but outside of that it just it didn't, it kind of washed over me. And I don't know Mm. if the song was first, which look, I I can't understand anything in the song. So that's okay. I'm sure there's a reason why this song comes after the first one. I feel like if the order was reversed, I might feel differently about it, Mm -hmm. but I really liked the first one. By the time I hit the second, I was like, it kind of bounced off of me, but that's not to take away from the quality of it on its own or from the quality of the first song um seven cornered solar labyrinth like i thought i thought that was amazing
1: yeah i i i i genuinely agree i think i i got a bit more out of the second track because i can really i was really able to embody it in relation to the live experience that's um, probably and you... a
0: big part of
1: it and you can find the uh photos and some of my review from from this show on a, our previous episodes and on our Instagram where I've posted photos. You can also go over to the uh dr Gore wizard's archive on YouTube to find some uh videos from this from their debut performance um yeah i i mean i I think I agree with you that seven corners of the solar labyrinth is a bit more of an engaging piece when it comes to. This kind of ambient, harsh noise. But to me, what what makes uh, singing the inevitable twilight of our requiem great is that crescendo. Is that really, like, slow, kind of creeping build toward this, like... Very cathartic end. And I think that's partially because during the set and the performance, as the song progresses in the performance, the set and the stage are slowly almost not necessarily deconstructed, but are almost discarded and damaged. You know, they were intentionally stabbing their, their instruments with knives and with bats, really grinding in this kind of very physical brutal expression of their music while, um, Rush Falcor uh, was moving through the crowd and pushing and getting in the faces of the crowd. The, uh, baseball bat you see on the cover of the album was at the show. Um, if you check out the, uh, Instagram for walls painted black, who is the, uh, another gentleman, one of the gentlemen behind the project M again, I don't know how to say your last name, Brand. I'm sorry. Um, Ben, how do you say his last name?
0: Uh, how do you spell it?
1: Uh, I lost it. Oh, uh, K-N-A-G-G-E. Nag or nag? I think it's knock.
0: Knock? Nog?
1: Yeah, I think we, I, I, I talked to this gentleman last time and he commented on my mispronunciation of his name. (laughs) Um, and I forgot how he told me to say, I think it's Knock. Uh, okay, neck.
0: he's from Iowa. They don't have internet there.
1: No, that's the which like Dungeons <laughs> record. These guys are all for, are both from uh, my local community. Um, uh... So shout out to you. Um, I, I I'll pronounce your name right one day. Um, but yeah, I think what makes this album and this uh, genre of music really engaging is the creation of soundscape. It's it's not traditionally orchestrated like Ascension is. Um, And it's not necessarily pure chaos, like some like other harsh noises. It feels there's a certain level of artistic intention behind the presentation. And I think it creates a really beautiful, um, harsh experience. I don't think it's, it's not necessarily meant to be beautiful necessarily, but it's, it's in its kind of calamity and it's punchiness in your mouth. I think it really captures um, a really satisfying vibe.
0: I, I found it relaxing, actually. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it was sort of like a white noise machine, but it's also music.
1: Yeah, well, it's music using white noise as part well, of its presentation.
0: Right. Yeah, but I, I found it very um soothing outside gotta,
1: of the screams, you know. I got
2: to check out this album. since Yeah, Let's it's go. a very
1: unique presentation of music. Um. So, so Ben, what, what's your official uh, review of uh, "Hunted Gatherer? Which, by the way, last thing—fucking incredible name, "Hunted Gatherer? Oh. Yeah, it's
0: pretty clever. I'm yeah. sure no one else has come up
1: with that before.
0: Um, I'm Hard gonna to give Google, them <laughs> uh three and a half out of four charms. Yep. I'll give them three and three quarters out of five because I, I feel like if I so strongly preferred one song over the other. You know, although I do feel like the live experience would probably have changed that.
1: And and one day, Ben, I'll get you to one of these shows when you're in the city. Yeah. Um, and, and you remember you can go and you can go and check out some of the videos from this <laughs> performance and others in the underground scene in Chicago on my YouTube channel, Dr. Gorwood's Archive. Um, as for my review, I agree with you, Ben. I give it like a three and a half out of four charms. I think harsh noise in general when performed in this fashion is very engaging and the live experience informs some of the charminess of it Um, in regards to quality yeah three and a half 3.75 uh out of five stars uh i need to listen to more harsh noise to more truly evaluate um the quality of it compared to others but it's it's almost a genre that's very difficult to review on a quality standpoint because an aspect of the genre to my understanding is to separate itself from traditional music and its presentation in the modern day through the chaotic very brutal harsh aesthetic so it's hard to really rank it especially compared to the two albums we're talking about otherwise um but yeah like when it comes to overall enjoyment and how much i'm going to engage with this album um, outside of the live experience or in this instance for our review, um, like 3.75 out of five to maybe a four on a, on a, on a angry day, I was in a really good mood today. So this was like relaxing, but not like, I wasn't like in, in the same kind of mindset I was when I saw them live. Uh, but it overall really satisfying experience. I just I listened
2: to the first few, uh, few minutes of it while you guys yeah. are chatting and yeah i i do like that sound i'm probably gonna give it a shot like
1: wow listen we to might it have we might have tomorrow. a harsh noise fan in the making here oh
2: dude i love that harsh noise sound because like dude i i recommended to you dialect that yes harsh noise rap, uh, hip-hop group awesome um and yeah i kind of like that it has that that vibe to it too. So yeah, uh, other artists
1: like like clipping and backwash are two other modern uh, hip hop artists that are bringing the kind of the harsh noise aesthetic to the mainstream with it through through occasional influences. Yeah, um, and 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 from my understanding, a lot of harsh noise has a a real big history in both uh, in especially in Japan, but also in China and Southeast Asia in general. Um, there's a huge, huge underground scene of like very extreme, very, very heavy and discordant metal out of areas like Singapore, the Philippines, and Japan um, that really reflect on some of the atrocities that have happened in those areas. There's a, there's a lot of like Japanese grindcore about nuclear war that is like borderline hard to listen to in a good way.
2: It kind of reminds me of that. I, f- I forgot the name of the group, but you sent you-, you shared that album. You introduced me to it. It's you know you told me it's like they take recordings of people screaming and uh, and stuff like that.
1: That's a couple it? different albums I've uh, listened
2: to. <laughs> no, 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 like samples of sa- uh, of people. Like it looks, sounds like they're screaming or running away from something. And I asked you, you said some of them were taken from 911 calls. I'm like, are you serious? This is Yeah. Like- uh,
1: Leviathan has done, has used that, which is some suicidal depressive yeah. black metal <clears throat> and some other areas of black metal have used, yeah. Live recordings of like victims in insane asylums um, yeah, and yeah. like war recordings, like uh, a can- cannon fuffer. Um, has some like actual World War Two field recordings included in their music. Mm. It's very brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, it's cool. Okay. So that's that's Hunted Gather. I for our most, our least approachable album of the week. I highly recommend you go check them out on Bandcamp. Or it's worth on
0: listening to just to like see what's d- up.
1: Yeah, if you want if you want an entrance and an introduction to this kind of genre and this style of music, I, if I if I had to point anyone anywhere, I, I might as well point them to this album, especially for something so fresh and so new from two very prominent and very to an extent well known noise uh, and performance artists from the uh, from the Chicago land Illinois area. Now we're gonna shift gears. Uh, we're gonna uh shift gears to an album that even just mentioning it has brought a smile to my face already. Um this is an album that I read about in a list of interesting releases uh on Bandcamp, like a short little blog. And it was just like thrown in at the end. It was like, Oh yeah, also this came out. It's kinda weird. And I was like, Well, it's from the indomitable, the legendary, the prolific abyssal specter, um, abysmal specter. Sorry, sorry, good sir, abysmal specter, um, who is very well known in the black metal scene now. Um, especially for his project Old Nick, um, who we've talked about in previous years on the podcast. We talked about their 2021 released a new generation of Vampiric Conspiracy. And uh, one of my favorite albums of 2020, The Night of the Ambush and the Pillage by the Queen Anne's Style and Furniture, animated by one of the dozens or so spells that the Eastern vampires have studied. Um, He is also in this group, Curtain Wall, Bloody Keep, Forgotten Wind, Lace Shawl, Mosen, um, Sign of Fear, which is another fantastic band, um, and uh, Towergeist, Geist, Water, Water Nymph, and Weeping Coffin. Um, uh, Abysmal Spectre is borderline a Gary Brent level prolific artist. Um, also does appear um, as a guest musician on uh, Gone Mage's Sudden De- Deluge, doing backing vocals. Um, this is the brand new debut album by Curtainwall, Siege Obsessed. Uh, this is a mixture of raw, medieval folk black metal. This is what Viamins and Ungfell wish they were. Uh, this is an album that does not in any capacity expect you to have anything but a tremendously good album. And Energetic Time. It's an album that deeply and passionately loves medieval history and medieval instrumentation. And I I could go on and on, but I am interested to hear from our other black metal adjacent uh, fan here, Ben. So, Ben, what did you think of Curtain Wall's Siege Obsessed? Are, like are you Siege Obsessed? The
0: The closer it got... To regular metal, Mm-hmm. which it does a number of times throughout the album. The more I drift away from it, wow! But when it's doing like the bagpipes and the flutes and the, all that shit, I'm a thousand percent on board. Okay, yeah. Like, so uh, the, what makes the, the what... opening uh, the opening song? Wooden or uh, Siege Obsessed? Because yeah, this sword, is the second song. Is like an intro track.
1: Yeah, there's Siege. an intro track, and then there's Siege Obsessed, the first real track on yeah. the album.
0: Oh my god, Siege Obsessed is like the thesis song of yes. the album. Oh, hundred percent. I don't know if any other song in the album really reaches those heights. Which
1: oh of we'll, kinda... we'll fucking get into it then.
0: We'll <sighs> we'll get into it. Um, but oh my god, what a breath of fresh air!
1: Yeah, you know, this cause, this cause is truly again, a fresh example of music. Yeah, because
0: so. once again, they're playing it straight. So you 100%. have a fucking black metal goblin sound, and at the same time you have the fucking flutes and the wind instruments.
1: <laughs> we'll get I mean... into. I'll, I'll get into all the specific <laughs> instruments that we hear throughout this album. Uh, uh, uh,
0: yeah, we get banjos and shit. The bagpipes. There's the bagpipes. The when I got the bagpipes in, that was when everything really came together. I was like, "This is." fucking lit
1: yeah um yeah so so this album yeah. it, it, it has so just to go over the <coughs> instrumentations on this album not only does uh abysmal specter uh write the majority of write the majority of the songs and provide all of the harsh vocals and some of the and the clean vocals that we hear on um Newcastle is born we also have uh, alvanya dulcimer providing vocals on the aforementioned siege should, Obsessed. should, should i go should i go through the names no, I'm gonna read them all because they need to be mispronounced. Okay, um, <laughs> Elvi- yeah, Elvi- Elvia Dulcimer. And a dulcimer is an instrument that she's very prominent for playing. Actually, um, she she provides vocals on "Fear of God," "Chainmail," "Siege," "Obsessed," "The Dark Age," and a Newcastle's born. We have Tyrant of Fugitive Wizard providing vocals on "Wizard's Hat." We have uh, Sergey Trodovsko who plays the accordion Sergei on
0: Trotsenko.
1: Thank you. Uh, Who (laughs) plays the accordion on "Siege of Set" and "Fear of God"? Antonio Bustabad. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Antonio Bustabad. Bustabad. He's Bustabad. He busts that badass backpipe. Both on "Picked Walls," um, which is about the picks, and a new castles born. We have Tanner Bales uh, providing the tin whistle because who the fuck expected a tin whistle? Uh, Irina Markachev or Markyevek. Uh, providing uh violin and timeless armor and the enemy. So bold Lucas soy as the uh, Lucas
0: Suarez
1: Suarez providing the banjo on enemy. So bold uh, Dima Fustavas providing the saxophone Dima pra- it is Faust. <laughs> Um Providing saxophone on the enemy. So bold Max Kerner. Fuck off. Uh, you can't miss. I got that one right. Uh, uh, playing the sham, which is a beautiful historic instrument, uh, the hurdy-gurdy, the bagpipes, the tin weasel, and an instrument that I didn't think was real and had to Google, which is the bazoki, uh, which is a uh, a Greek instrument, which is basically a, a long-necked broken fl- uh, lute that became very prominent in the Greek uh, musical scene and is a unique instrument. Um. Yeah, so as as Ben mentioned, throughout this album, we get a mix of um uh Abysmal Spectre's harsh kind of traditional singing that you hear on song on albums like Old Nick, mixed in with the stylized uh computer generated drumming, um, providing that, that lo fi black metal aesthetic. But then every like 30 seconds that black metal is melded in with the folk and medieval instrumentation. Now, on albums like uh, on with bands like Via Hemant and Ungfell, who play, I guess, the same genre as this album, um, you see them really incorporate those medieval instruments as like a secondary aspect to the album. They flavor the black metal. Um, this album, the black the black metal is is flavor to that medieval instrumentation almost in a level of and a a level of dedication i think unbeaten by any other black metal act i've heard it's this is listening to this album was like listening to uh panice nocturne or gone mage for the first time where i genuinely think you're hearing something super fresh here um and you know Uh, Curtain Wall has released other EPs and shorter albums, but this, this is the true distillation of folk and medieval instrumentation mixed with black metal. It is an album that is savory. It is sweet. It is bloody and brutal. And it is everything in between.
0: Yeah. And they Um, got bagpipes
1: and they got motherfucking bagpipes and the bagpipes are good. It's like. And I, we've talked about this in our continuum with Gone Mage Ben. We've talked about them baking in sound, right? On the on the first Gone Mage album, uh, you see Gary Brents playing with combining traditional black metal with cyber grind and chip tune, and the sounds kind of run parallel to one another, not necessarily being fully baked in. Uh, And Sudden Deluge, that became uh, more more of the case. And with Handheld Advised, we saw the full mixing, right? The complete and utter culmination of the development of almost a new style and genre within black metal. And here we see Abysmal Spectre coming in with a fully developed sound. Um, A fully undeniably um, cohesive sound. Um, the ambient tracks on this one, and and we've uh, maligned kind of the overuse of ambient tracks by bands like Ungfell. Yeah, they're at times. they're good. They're perfect. They're short. They actually make sense within like the flow of the music. Um, our first real ambient track after the intro track is Cross uh, Crossbow's Dawn. Um, and what I really found interesting as a decision um, here is that. These songs, these ambient tracks were actually composed by other artists. So uh, all the other songs on the album were composed by uh, Mr. Abysmal, uh, or Mr. Specter. sorry. Um, but Crossbow's Den, Fay Pond, The Dark Age, and Wooden Swords were all composed um, by different artists. Those, those last two tracks, Crossbow Den and Wooden Sword, were composed by Niccolo Fabro. Um, where Fey Pond was uh, orchest- composed and performed by Dario C, and The Dark Ages was composed by Riley Harris. Um, so and I,
0: my so I I agree with most of your points. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will say Uh-oh. is I felt listening to this like I did listening to uh, the first time I listened to Gone Mage. Okay. Where I was like, this is good, but I feel like there is room to grow.
1: Hmm. See, I like, feel the opposite. <laughs>
0: you, you, you said that their sound is fully formed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like they can explore it more. I, I feel, sure. I, I want to see what happens.
1: Oh if yeah, they, I mean, if they I incorporate... want more of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know you want more, but like, I, I feel that if they can bring more of the actual music stylings from hmm. the medieval era see i and i think that in I, more i feel i, I, think, I don't know. i think the I, problem is was, here ben
1: is that this album sits next to the entire subgenre of medieval black metal and we have i think really prime examples of what that sound is you know again not to jerk off vehemence or Ungfell too much but to me they really represent the medieval black metal sound even bands like pest noir despite them being pieces of shit yeah but this really, is better a hundred percent yeah this is but this but is like, this I is want... more this is more genuinely unique because it's not i i mean it's black metal first but the usage of the instrumentation and incorporation is at the same level of dedication that panice nocturne brings with that kind Paul of carnival
0: Nocturn, i'm sorry yeah
1: dark Paul thoughts say oh say turn okay um, they they provide a, a truly incorporated sound where the orchestration and composition of the music flows directly with the usage of those historic right. or specific instruments yeah. and I feel like they capture that so perfectly because I think the the issue with with me not well, the reason I think this sound feels so fully baked in and developed is that I think the directions you have left to push things you know either more into the medieval folk sound takes you down a path of just doing medieval folk music with a little bit of black metal or the other direction is going in the traditional uh, medieval black metal direction of your vehemence your opulence your sulfafira, fear your your unfail and this this curtain wall album and the other curtain wall releases i think to some degree but this is perfected hits The literal perfect middle ground. I I've listened to this album. I shit you not, about fifteen times since I've I've I found it. This there there are a few albums that get me so genuinely bouncily excited. Um, you know, Eradication of the Unworthy Infants did that with Changes Good. Power Paladin did that with uh, the Power of Wind, Fire, Steel. Um, and it wasn't those two albums, and it wasn't until you go back a few years to Astrophobos' album that really got me like bouncy. And I think that's what really solidifies this album. I think I think your point, Ben, that Sieged Obsess is the real thesis here and incorporating those clean uh vocals with the instrumentation. But I I think for me and my number one song on the album the song that i think really captures exactly what i want out of medieval black metal in general is as uh, a new castle is born one i love i love beautiful sounding female vocals i'm i'm obsessed with good female vocals in metal um but this song beautifully portrays the traditional uh, black uh, black metal sound that's associated with medieval black metal in the beginning. That kind of almost atmospheric, melodic, but with those his guttural kind of very unique vocals. And then it plays off perfectly into pure um, instrumentation with the sounds of like the dulcimers and the guitars with just a slight drumming. And then that is all kind of tied together with Elva's absolutely stunning vocal performance and. That's not even to mention how good the lyrics are across this whole album. You know, Not only are the lyrics beautifully written, but they make sense within the historical confines of the medieval period they're singing about.
0: Yes. Okay. Now, Kevin Tucker, because you've been talking for two and a half minutes uninterrupted. Yeah, damn um, right. I, so I, I mostly agree with you. Okay. Uh, what I like about Siege Obsessed, though, is the juxtaposition, mm. which I feel like, throughout the rest of the album it tries to mix them together a bit more and that's good mm-hmm. but i i want i I if you want more? i feel like in this album they try a bunch of different things hmm that's okay. just the vibe i get there's a lot of different sounds a lot of different ways of integrating the you know like black metal into this instrument set I love how clean the sound is. I feel yeah. like the next album we get, they've already tested like, like the different avenues they can go. And I feel like they're going to be able to push the areas they do like further. And I, that's what I'm excited to see.
1: I, I, I think, and, I, and I, I would implore everyone out there who has a, a similar opinion to you, Ben where you want to see what abysmal and uh, well abysmal because he's the only one behind this project can do with the sound. um, I really implore you to go and look up old Nick. Um, Old Nick is one of his other projects that's with his sister, with his sister and another musician. Um, And, you know, I will say Grimestone records as a whole, which is run by um, uh, abysmal um, understand that, black metal doesn't necessarily need to be taken too seriously. It's it's the genre and style of music that provides such a beautiful landscape to do both the beautiful and the disgusting and absurd and intense. And as a you know as a US black metal uh label, I think a lot of his other music captures those other ends of his stylistic um approach. And I think if you if you dive into some of his older releases, you'll kinda hear the directions that this music could go in. Um because so many of those albums are so uh well some of those other bands have such a larger discography than um than Curtainwall does at this point. Um but I, I I can I can get behind what you're saying, Ben, that you're I th- I think this album is so good it makes you excited for what else they're gonna do. Yes, I, I, and that's a, a that genuine is, compliment. Yes,
0: ultimately that is the true thesis.
1: Yeah, and, and 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 I think this this journey for a lot of people started back in 2021 with an album that was very contentious, like amongst the uptight black metal community, which was Old Nick's uh, second uh, album, T N O T A A T P b t q a s f a b o o t d o s s t t e v h s um shit you not that's the name of the album um and in their follow up a new generation of impure conspiracy because they both represent a an approach to black metal where it's not too, it's not being taking itself too seriously, but it's using black metal for what I think it truly is used for, which is pushing music ahead. It's used as a, as a lens for creating beautifully dark music. Um And I'm bef- before we get to our, uh our reviews of this, our, our official reviews of this album, I want to share two comments, Uh one from abysmal specter himself and one from a member of the black metal community that I engaged with. Um, and I'll start with the, with the fan who, who in, after I posted this album, uh, in this, uh, uh the order of the black arts said, loving the fact that the music is like Sesame street meets vehemence played by old Nick. Yet the lyrics are, are at a point of absolute savagery, fear of God, for example. Now that is true. It, it's taking truly dark black metal vocals or vo- black metal lyrics and, and mixing it in with this, I wouldn't necessarily say Sesame Street, but like almost Renaissance fairs level of jovialness. Um, And I'm really excited to see where they go. But I think the the sound and what Abysmal Spectre um, is going for was really personified in his Sound and the Signal interview that he did um, at the beginning of this year. And who knows? Maybe one day he'll do an interview with us. Um, He talks about how he was continuously seeking more intense and diabolical music to listen to during those most formative years. Then it just became a part of his identity. I was slash am intrigued by the dichotomy of extreme evil and darkness and atmospheric beauty. It's like salty and sweet food or when, it's in a, or when you're in a super hot sauna and you step out into cool air and you feel a wave of relief. Two unsuspecting opposites combined to create a grand experience. Black metal is the perfect mixture of darkness and beauty. And this album, beyond any that I've heard in the last, let's say, six months, captures that blending. Um, I guarantee you when we get to our mid-year roundup and our end-of-year roundup, you're going to hear even more about Curtain Wall Sieged Obsessed because I am firmly... Firmly sieged obsessed. For for me, this gets a four out of four charms, a five out of four charms if I dare, and a four point seven five out of five for quality. <clears throat> um, uh, it's basically a perfect album. I think it's functionally untouchable, and it might even get up to a five out of five once it's put into comparison to the rest of the releases from 2023. Ben. What is your review?
0: I'm gonna give it the full four out of four charms. I'll give Damn it right. a four out of five uh, technical quality, uh, just because I think they can do they they can go even further. And I'm gonna be that's, there. That's a waiting.
1: That's a good compliment. Yeah. Just like with Gone Mage, we want we want to see this band. And continue. if it's
0: anything like Gone Mage, we're gonna be wowed in a year or two's time. So.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, hey, if the, if the first album doesn't get it just right, and like Gone Mage, it was almost there, but in Ben's estimate, not perfect yet. And the second album, you know, wasn't exactly there yet either, but the the continuation development grew, and the the third album so far from Gone Mage was honestly one of the best combinations of uh, chiptune and black metal, but it might not have done everything yet. And maybe Curtin... Curtain wall will prove to us that the fourth time is the charm. Good night and
0: good morning. Monty's also here.
1: (laughs) We love you, Monty. Listen to this album. (laughs) Monty's going to be sieged obsessed by next week.
2: (laughs) And I'll talk to
1: y'all later. Follow us on Instagram. Hit us up if you want to be on the podcast or have an album you'd like us to review. Send it to us over on Instagram or Twitter.